Welcome to another episode of Resetology, where conversations revolve around changing from the inside out. My name is Carissa, and I'm here today with Jeff and Julie for another roundtable discussion. Julie, what are we going to talk about today? We're talking about the upside of down. This conversation is inspired by a discussion we were having about the burned redwoods in Big Basin State Park in California. Uh, the, the trees after the wildfires that we had recently just look like skeletons. But surprisingly, they've been able to regrow because of buds that were underneath the bark and hidden to the general public. They were there for hundreds of years and took in nutrients over that time. And even nutrients from as far back as 50 or 60 years ago is what they're using right now to regenerate and regrow and rebuild the forest. And it's just such a great metaphor for what God's able to do in our lives when we give them the opportunity. Yeah, I read through the article and it was pretty amazing. You know, the guy talked about how everything was so charred that he just couldn't imagine that anything could come from it. And I love the part where he said he had to climb up on top of one of the trees and look down. And only then he could see at the top of these super tall trunks that these little green buds were coming out, that there actually was life in there. Hmm. But it reminded me of this theory that was developed back in the 90s, actually, by Dr. Richard Tedeschi and Dr. Lawrence Calhoun. And the theory is called post-traumatic growth. And I just love that term to begin with. But the theory states that in the aftermath of a traumatic event or a crisis, that people often do see positive growth in time. It can be in relationships, it can be in worldview or other personal areas. And a crisis can take so many different forms. I mean, it can be a natural disaster, it can be a death, it can be a divorce. The crisis can take a different form. But I, I love what this other doctor said, Dr. Debbie Silber. She called it a psychological earthquake. Hmm. And she said, this is when your world is divided between before it happened and after it happened. And I think we can all identify with that. These moments in life where it's like life used to be this way, and then this happened, and now life is this way. So it's this defining moment that changes life. And, you know, it makes me think of like before and after pictures, like we're used to that with weight loss or getting in shape. There's the before and then the after mm -hmm. is always better. What strikes me in the context of this conversation is with these psychological earthquakes, mm -hmm. a lot of times the after is not better than the before. Yeah. And there's a difference between better and different. You're going to be different after you go through a crisis, but you can also be better. You know, and a lot of people are different after, but not in a good way, not mm -hmm. in a better way. I'm not downplaying the event, but we want to navigate these earthquakes and become better on the other side of it. And so everyone processes crisis in their own way, and it's a long journey towards healing. So what are some of the key ways to navigating a crisis? I think acceptance is a pretty good coping mechanism. So just like admitting that what happened was a traumatic experience. I've seen people be able to do that, non-Christians and, and Christians alike. And I've also seen other people just refuse to. And instead of accepting it, their, their default is to slug it out. But they're slugging it out with reality. And I think that's a fight that we're not often going to win. So they, they want to fight the reality that they've experienced the trauma. 
And there are mm-hmm. consequences to that. I think if we fight the reality instead of accept the reality, then that means that we're less likely to seek counseling. We're less likely to seek a community of support. And um, we're less likely to seek a, like spiritual guidance to navigate that dimension mm-hmm. of the traumatic experience as well. Like how does this affect my relationship with God? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've seen others accept trauma and, and seek counseling and a community of support and, and seek guidance in the spiritual dimension of the trauma as well. And I think that acceptance of the reality that this traumatic thing happened to you is the first step toward healing and towards post-traumatic growth. It really is step one, admitting that it happened or accepting it, put weight on it. This hurt me deeply. This mm-hmm. changed me on the inside. This shattered my world. But if we can't admit that something awful happened, we're going to stay stuck. Absolutely. And and grief can happen as a result of so many different kinds of trauma. And we need to metabolize that. We need to process it and even rebuild our, our mental models and structures and how we orient our world. I'm going through David Brooks's book right now, How to Know a Person. And he has a really beautiful passage about a couple that lost a child in Thailand with the tsunami and how they needed to just rebuild their whole mental models of how their daily routines were oriented, their weekly routines, their seasons around the change in their life of no longer having their daughter. And I think you know we can we can try to deny that, we can try to power through, we can try to overlook things or try to drown our sorrows and numb the pain, but that doesn't make it go away. Mm-hmm. We really do need to metabolize it and recognize that that is an earth-shattering event that we need to rebuild from. The other thing that I think is important is to look for the, those glimmers, right? Like what are the things that can give us hope in this process? The little moments of just just everyday joy that can give us the the fuel that we need, almost like the, the photosynthesis from the, the 50 or 60 years ago that's fueling the buds. The buds are there, but they need fuel. And we need that fuel as well. We need to have those moments of joy that we allow to creep in to give us the nutrients we need to go forward. I think part of what keeps us stuck, if we go back to not admitting that it was traumatic, I think in the instance that you're mentioning, Julie, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, I lost Mm -hmm. a child, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's traumatic. Other things that we go through, I think we have a more difficult time admitting like that was traumatic for me. But no matter what it looks like, one thing that we have to do is normalize that that's part of life, Mm -hmm. going through a crisis. Because if we get hit with a crisis and we think that we're we're the only person that something traumatic has happened to, that right there will keep us stuck. I heard this guy one time share the analogy of getting a cold. Mm. If you didn't know that colds were normal, the first time you got a cold, you'd be terrified. What's happening to me? My head's pounding. I can't breathe through my nose. I'm coughing. You would think you're going to die. But you go to the doctor and the doctor explains what's going on and gives you some medicine and lets you know that this is normal. Mm -hmm. People get it all the time. And in about a week, you're going to feel better. Just knowing that makes it more endurable. And I think there's a big carryover there when we experience a crisis is just realizing this too shall pass. It may take a really long time because grief looks different for people and it takes time, but it's normal. And the process of grieving and crying on the inside and on the outside and spiraling thoughts and the ambush of emotion, that's normal. Just knowing that it's normal Mm -hmm. and you can come out of it, I think is, is key to navigating through it as well. Yeah. Another big one, I think, too, is community support. 
especially if we get stuck in grief and in processing and time is going by and time is going by and nothing is changing. We're talking about navigating through something. If we don't know our way out, then we need a guide. Mm -hmm. We need someone to walk us through that or a group of people to walk us through it to find our way out. Absolutely. Especially considering that our culture doesn't really have good rituals around grief for even the the standard variety grief, right? Of, of the loss of a, of a person. We don't have really good rituals around that. We don't have those muscles built up. And so getting a community around us, having the right people to support us through that process and help us navigate it is even more critical. And just giving ourselves the gift of time. Mm-hmm. It just takes time. Mm-hmm. The article about the trees, it's got buds on it, but yeah. they're not going to be big trees for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So after a personal crisis, what are some signs of life, some signs that you're healing and growing again, the little buds coming back out? Yeah, uh, spiritual change stands out to me and that intersection between that, the psychological and emotional damage that we incur in crisis and trauma and how that affects our spiritual life or relationship with God. Because after a crisis or trauma, we're just not the same person anymore. Mm -hmm. And that means that we don't experience God's presence the way we did before that Mm -hmm. either. And that can be really, really confusing at first. It can lead people, I think, to think that God is not there anymore after the trauma. And that's just a trauma on top of a trauma. But in reality, the relationship between the person and God has changed because of the trauma. The trauma changes our relational needs that we have with other people. That extends as well to the relational needs that we have with God, whether we're aware of that or not. Yeah. And I I think it's also when we start seeing new possibilities, we start giving ourselves permission to dream again um, Mm -hmm. and to you know, not always see the negative. I think about Naomi, how she wanted to change her name to bitterness, you know, just like what could possibly happen after the loss of my husband and son. Ruth carried her through that by pursuing the new opportunities, but it was a while before she could start to see them. Yeah. I think there's the internals and the externals, like the signs of life on the inside of feeling hope again, feeling a sense of joy or peace again. And then the external things are just like coming out of the cave. Mm-hmm. and re-engaging with the world and doing things that make you smile and that bring joy, taking risks again. And so there's like that internal positive emotions that you begin to feel. And then you see this outward activity once again. Mm-hmm. In the study that I mentioned, it resulted in five key signs that you're experiencing post-traumatic growth. And mm. I thought these were really good. You, you guys actually mentioned a couple of them. But the first one was a greater appreciation of life. I love that because if you've been through something traumatic, you learn to appreciate each day in a way that you didn't before because you realize that life is fragile. The second one is improved relationships with others. So you might develop a sense of closeness with others, increased compassion or the knowledge that you can count on others in times of crisis. Mm-hmm. That one is huge. I, you know, They say the word might in there because a lot of people go through something traumatic and they don't come out on the other side with greater relationships because they've lost trust. Mm-hmm. You know, But navigating it in the correct way, you may improve relationships with others. Also new possibilities, you said that one, Julie, such as developing new interests, a new life path, or willingness to change things that need changing. Number four is personal strength, the Mm. knowledge that you can handle difficult things, that you're stronger than you thought, or an increased sense of Mm self-reliance. 
And then the last one, Jeff, you touched on it, is spiritual change, a deeper understanding of spirituality or stronger faith than before. We've kind of touched on this, but what's the spiritual upside of experiencing a crisis? I think that there's a depth in knowing God through that crisis, that he's able to carry you through it. And there's a a closeness we can gain even through lament, through taking advantage of some of those Psalms that are more around lament, you know, and to give vocabulary to what we're going through. I think it's another dimension to our faith. So much of our Christian culture is geared towards, you know, celebration and faith and power and breakthrough and miracle. You know, there's so much emphasis on the, the positive side that um, and knowing that God is multidimensional and he can walk through us. And it's it's like the fellowship of his sorrows, you know, mm-hmm. experiencing the fellowship of, of mm-hmm. his sorrows because he also weeps over fallen creation and that we have to go through what we, ha- what we go through. And when we experience loss, we can discover the extent of God's comfort. I love mm-hmm. that verse that says he comforts those who mourn. And there's there's two parts to that. One is we have to mourn to experience comfort. If we downplay what happened or won't admit that it was a crisis mm-hmm. or, or try to pretend like we're okay. So if we don't mourn, we can't experience comfort from God. Mm-hmm. And so those two things go hand in hand. But experiencing that comfort creates an intimacy with God mm-hmm. that can certainly strengthen our faith. You know, beyond our intimacy with God, I think it can also introduce us to new people that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to relate to or form a relationship with. And those bonds can be really strong. There's a lot of wisdom to be gained from it when you come out the other side. You know, there are lessons to be learned and you can be that person who's been down that road and come out the other end of it for other people and everything. But there's just a whole lot of wisdom to be gleaned from suffering. I think too, when we suffer, we enter more into the suffering of the Lord. So we become more Christ-like. There's an intimacy there, even in suffering. How about some biblical examples of people who experienced post-traumatic growth? Mm. Anyone come to mind? I know you mentioned Naomi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she really rebounded when she saw that God had a different plan, right? That God had another plan, that God wasn't finished with them yet. And she started to see those glimmers of hope, matchmaking for Ruth and and Boaz. I mean, that's reinvigorating, right? Being able to do some matchmaking. But I also think, you know, in the New Testament, Paul talks about though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day in in 2 Corinthians 4.16. So it seems like he was continuously experiencing regrowth and letting God rebuild him and make him stronger in his convictions. But he never, he doesn't deny what he was going through. He doesn't deny how hard it was, Mm -hmm. but he did allow God to renew him. Yeah. And it might be extending the question a little bit and it's kind of getting, it's kind of Lectio Divina style, but I think of the disciples after the crucifixion. And yet we, we know they're, they're scattered, but they also come back together. And and there is a community of support there. I mean, there were 120 in the upper room after all, but I think it's beneficial to put ourselves in, in their shoes that their teacher, master, friend was just tortured and executed in a very public, very painful, very humiliating fashion. They've suffered a traumatic experience like together as a community. Mm -hmm. And when they gather, I think it's reasonable to assume that they're supporting each other to one degree or another. They became a community of support. I don't mean to say it was utopian or anything like that. I'm sure there was tension given everyone processing the trauma in their own way. 
but there's no denying the fact that they came together after the crucifixion. And um, I noted earlier how our relationship with God can and often does change after a trauma because we change and our needs from God also change. Our needs that we have of God also change. And that happened here. And we know the story that the counselor comes and changes their relationship with God and God drew near and made his home inside of them after the traumatic experience. There's obviously a lot more to it than that, but this is just honing in on the the traumatic dimension of it. It doesn't mean it was all sunshine and rainbows. There's still people who have experienced trauma. There's still people who are carrying baggage. That's so good because it, it makes me think of trauma bond. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. You hear about it with veterans that they go through wars together and mm-hmm. they have this bond because they've had this traumatic experience together. And I was thinking of that when you're talking about the disciples, they went through this traumatic experience of the crucifixion and being scattered. And then, you know, I have to think that that bonded them together in a way. And then they're bonding with Christ and God and the Holy Spirit through it all as well. It's just seeing him show up and be who he said he was going to be and the Holy Spirit coming to empower them. If I think through my own life, the crisis that I've gone through, the people that have gone through it with me or showed up to help, I feel so bonded to those people because they showed up during really dark times. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the ways that God came through and made my path straight and showed up and provided, there's definitely a bonding that happens on the other side of a crisis that's very unlike when life is all smooth sailing and and no choppy seas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even people that are willing to stand beside you and not try to fix you, not try to, you know, not be intimidated or repulsed when you're not at your best. Those are people that elevate their worth. I mean, Mm -hmm. they just show their value as friends and are really folks to keep close, not just fair weather friends. One of the things that happens when we go through something traumatic, it humbles us, or at least it can and provides a tenderness and a compassion. There's really something different about people who have truly suffered Mm -hmm. that is very unlike people who have not weathered major storms. Like there's just something that they carry that is very, very different if they've weathered the storm Mm -hmm. well. The spiritual dimension of the trauma, since we started looking into this, has stood out to me the most. And especially acknowledging the fact that you went through a traumatic experience and acknowledging that it is changing you and your after will not be the same as your before. Mm-hmm. And that includes your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine to say we, we have to draw close to God, but there's this other thing to stack on top of that, that we have to allow our relationship with God to change mm-hmm. because we, we have changed. And our relationships with everybody else are never quite going to be the same. And, you know, hopefully the ones who stick around and let you be your whole self, Mm -hmm. unlike unlike Job's friends, but they let you be your whole self, you're going to grow deeper with them. And then there are always those people who, who just split. But then there's God. And then there's speaking with someone who's been walking the faith road for a lot longer than you and has gained a lot of wisdom and can help you understand how your relationship with God has also shifted because you have different needs Mm -hmm. and God will meet those needs. But first you have to understand those needs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that some of the folks listening to this podcast will 
be going through things or know folks that are going through things. And as always, just want to encourage people to keep walking forward, to keep that God is able to carry you through the season, that he does have unexpected buds of growth ready for you. And his word is able to nourish those buds. Even if you don't have the reserves in yourself, his word is is powerful and he's faithful. And to not shy away from walking beside people that are going through things, mm-hmm. even if we don't feel like we have the right things to say, our presence says so much mm-hmm. and God can work through that as well. This topic, it always makes me think of this tree that's in our backyard. When we first planted it, we had two of them actually, and they were about 10 feet high live oaks. And a monsoon came through and blew one of them down completely to the ground. And so we staked it up, we got supports. And now five years later, it's 10, 15 feet higher than the other one. And the trunk has been almost two times as wide as the other. And it is because of the storm Mm -hmm. that knocked it down because there's something in that tree innately that shoots the roots down deeper and strengthens itself Mm -hmm. so that it can weather storms in the future. And I think about that all the time. I'm always comparing the two trees and it always reminds me that the storms really do produce strength. Mm -hmm. And just like the topic here, post-traumatic growth, it really is true. There's something where when we go through storms, we're hardwired to find meaning and to find purpose and to pivot and to do new things in life and to become more like Christ. He's wired us that way. It's just us getting in agreement with Mm -hmm. what he's doing in the process. So if you're listening and you're someone who's gone through any type of a crisis, just realize it's happened, but it has something to offer you in a really strange way. It's a gift and you've got to drain it dry and get everything you can out of it and navigate it well. Thank you so much for listening today. I just want to take a moment to remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. That helps us get this message out to a larger audience. Also, it's the beginning of a new year. Happy New Year. And we want to let you know that our life groups are starting up again Thursday nights at 6.30 and Saturdays at 6 p.m. if you live in the Phoenix area. And then also Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. we have a women's group. Our reset retreat is scheduled for March and we are excited this time to add Spanish translation to the retreat. So make sure you go to our website, resetministries.us slash retreat to find more information about that. And then resetministries.us slash groups for more information on life groups. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encouraged you. For additional resources or information on our upcoming events, head to resetministries.us. That's resetministries.us.